attention to 1 John chapter 5. First John chapter 5. Amen. Sister Sandra, it's so good to have you back here tonight. Amen. It just feels so wonderful. <laughs> you want to testify or say something? You might have to ease your mask off just a little bit. All right, now say something to us. Amen. Jody can already tell the difference in mama, and I can too. I saw a little Holy Ghost glow a while ago. Amen. It is real. It is real. Amen. The Holy Ghost glow is real. It shines in your hearts, in your lives. It is a very, very real thing. Verse number one, whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone that loveth him that begat loved him also that is begotten of him. By this we may or we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not grievous. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Notice that word victory there. I like victory. I like victory. I like to be victorious. I don't know about you, but I, I like to win. I don't like to lose at anything. Ping pong, basketball, football, any kind of contest, spelling contest, anything. I, I just, I want to win. I want to be a winner. I never like to be on the losing team. Never. Never have, never will. And I don't want to be on the losing team in the kingdom of God either. I don't want to, I don't want to lose out and not go to heaven. I do not want to be on the team 
that doesn't get to go. I, 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 I'm excited about going to heaven. I, I believe everybody wants to go and ought to go. Amen. I'm planning on going. I prayed today. Lord, I want to go to heaven. Don't let me be lost. Help me get my spirit right, my attitude right. Live right, talk right, do right, treat people right. All of that will help us get to heaven after we get into the kingdom of God. After you're born into the kingdom, then there's some do rights you got to do. <laughs> you got to join the do right family and get into the kingdom of God. What I'm talking to you tonight about living with victory in my life. Living with victory in my life. Everybody say, I want victory in my life. I want victory in my life. God never intended for us to live our lives without victory. God never gave you the power for you to be a, 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 a quitter, a loser, a nobody, a nothing. He never intended for you uh, to not have the joy of the Lord flowing in your life. God wants that for us. But you know, if you don't want it, you don't get it. Those things that, uh, that we read about in the Word of God, when you get the uh, Spirit of the Lord living in you, God gives you the fruit of the Spirit. And you know, I'm just telling you, boldly tonight just outright the fruit of the spirit won't stay if you don't want it to stay it can get rotten real quick there's nothing worse than a pentecostal or rotten rotten fruit i'm gonna tell you it stinks i know y'all want to be seated but i don't i don't think i got enough smiles yet that's good enough you'll be seated <clears throat> Far too many Christians are living below where they ought to be living spiritually. The biggest reasons for this is simply they have never discovered who they really are in Christ. A lot of people just don't realize who they are. I, 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 sometimes I have to confess to you, I forget. I know we all forget that we're God's children. We belong to Him. And we are adopted by Him. We've taken on His name. We're His children. We're in the bloodline. And that means we have His benefits. And we have His power living inside of us. And when you get that whole package together and you begin to realize who you are, you ought to be strutting around with your chest out and your head lifted high because you're not a nobody and a loser and a nothing. You are a child of God. And I'm going to tell you something. God don't make junk. God does not make mistakes when He makes People born again in his kingdom. The Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 1, Paul tells who we are in Christ. And Do you mind giving me just a little bit of 
monitor. I've been having so much voice problems, <clears throat> and I apologize for that. Some of it's uh, being old, and some of it's uh, just preaching too long, uh, 50, uh, 47, 48 years. I've been screaming and preaching and singing, and uh, it's wore my uh, vocal cords out, and I don't have the volume. Uh, I, I just, one of the most frustrating things to me is go through a drive-thru, anybody's, Chick-fil-A, Whataburger, uh, Burger King, uh, not Burger King, I don't ever go to Burger King, um, yeah, Taco Bell, uh, every time, I'm telling you, probably 95% of the time, my voice, I don't know what it is, they cannot understand it. And I always have to repeat my order at least three times. And then when I get it, it's not always what I ordered. And that's frustrating to me. I hate drive throughs And right now, you just about have to go through a drive through And it's frustrating. I made Jaden get out of the truck and walk around to the speaker and order for us. He said, Papa, I don't want to do it. I said, well, you're not going to get what you want. They're not going to understand me. He said, just get out and go order it. He did. And we, they heard him the first time, and they got it right through. I, I can't help it. So in Ephesians chapter 1, Paul tells us who we are in Christ. In chapters 2 and 3, he informs us how we got to be who we are in Christ. And you can read this sometime for yourself. And in chapters 2 and 3, uh, he informed us, but in chapters 4 and 6, Paul tells us how we should live when we're in Christ. John eight thirty two tells us that you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. Truth cannot set you free until you know the truth. Because if you don't know it, you're not going to be free. It's like, you know, if, if uh, Brother Ariel got convicted of, of a crime and he's sitting in there and uh, there's somebody sitting there, Brother Dale knows he didn't do it because he was with him at the minute they said he did it. But Dale, if you just sit there and don't speak up and don't testify him, he doesn't know the truth, and he's not going to be set free. The truth will make you free. It will set you free when you know the truth. And the truth is the gospel. It's God's word. You must embrace the doctrine before you can turn it into the practical. The average Christian does not understand who he is in Christ. He does not comprehend what is his, what he can get in Christ. He does not realize what he has because of Christ. And I think that's so true to us. We forget sometimes what we really have. There are three qualities that every individual wants. 
you want these, whether you realize them or not, you want significance, you desire sufficiency, and you desire security. In Christ, you have all three of these. But without Christ, you really have none of these. In Christ is the key to victorious Christian living. We got to make sure that we're in Christ. In Christ denotes your position. It defines your privileges. It describes your possessions. And it determines your practice. There are only two kinds of folks, and that's the saints, and guess what the other one is? The what? The ain'ts. That's good. Y'all paying attention. The saints and the ain'ts. You either are saved or you are lost. You cannot. Everybody say you cannot. You cannot be half saved. You cannot believe this message halfway. You either got to believe it or you don't believe it. You're either saved or you're not saved. Every born again believer is a saint, whether you feel like one or not. Now, we don't call ourselves saints, but we are saints. You don't say, well, this is Saint Michael. Over here, Michael Beard, and uh, oh, Saint Mike and Saint Nick over there. Saint Nick, <laughs> he gets probably mentioned more than anybody. You know, here's Saint Tom sitting back there. We don't refer to each other that way, but basically, whether you like it or not, you are a saint. And it's tragic, but ne many people never accept their sainthood. Many won't be saved because they cannot see themselves as a sinner, and many will not live victorious lives because they cannot see themselves as a saint. You cannot see yourself as a saint. You're not going to get what God wants you to have, nor be what God wants you to be. you got to see yourself as being a child of God, ready to meet God in the rapture. And if you don't see yourself that way, you're probably not that way. You cannot be a Christian and not be a saint. A saint is not a man without fault but a man with faith in Christ. As servants of God, we occupy a place of humility. All saints of God, or as saints of God, we have a position of honor. Philippians 3 and 9 says, And be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. One of the most damaging accusations against Christians is that we do not act up to our profession. I've heard somebody say, 
Years ago, I've said it, and probably thousands of preachers have said it, if you were in a court of law accused of being a Christian, could you be found guilty? Would they find you guilty if you were accused of being a Christian? A lot of people try so hard blending in that people don't know they're a Christian. You will not behave as you should behave until you accept the biblical truth of who we really are. Who is more afraid of dirt? A man in a dirty, grimy set of overalls or a man in a white tuxedo? Who do you think? Which one do you think is more afraid of dirt? The man in grummy, greasy, dirty overalls has already been in dirt. He's already been exposed to it. He already has it on it. But if somebody in a white tuxedo, if there is such a thing, uh, yeah, I've seen them at weddings. Why in the world won't somebody want to wear one? I don't understand, but there are white tuxedos. Everything gets on it. Stuff just jumps on it. Far too many of us are living defeated lives simply because we are so experienced in confessing our sins instead of confessing our righteousness. We ought to be confessing our righteousness. You know, I'm afraid we Pentecostals have almost stopped talking about the things that identify us from so much of the rest of the world because so many have felt like they were getting free, set free, you know, getting out of bondage. And uh, that's one of the things that I like so much about Brother and Sister Greg. We had dinner with them last week, and they were talking about some of their friends that have gone the wrong way. And one of uh, some of their friends had, had just left the standards. And uh, one of them told her, You'll understand it if you'll ever get free from the bondage. And boy, she didn't like that at all. She told him, don't feel sorry for me for what you think is bondage. That's my freedom. That's what makes me free. And she got pretty plain with it. And both of them were kind of like Sister Gandy and Brother Gandy. Uh, in that, and they were, I mean, I was impressed. I thought, thank you, Lord. I'm glad we got evangelists still like that. And he needs to be preaching this and teaching this around our world. But um, a believer should not base his Christian identity on what he does for the Lord, but rather who he is in the Lord. All of us deal with tragedy at some point in our lives. But it's how we deal with tragedy that determines whether it will destroy us or whether we will gain victory over it. There was a little town in Alabama that turned a tragedy into a triumph. The major livelihood of that town was raising cotton. And one year, just as it appeared that there would be a bumper crop of cotton, the boll weevil showed up. 
He invaded the cotton fields and he literally devastated the crop and destroyed the entire economy of that little town. The farmers, however, were usually ingenious and these particular farmers were determined not to just simply sit down, move into the poorhouse and admit defeat. One man got the idea of planting peanuts instead because bow weevils don't like peanuts. Another farmer decided to plant another crop and another followed suit and planted yet another crop. And before long, bumper crops of peanuts and other produce began to repair the economy of that town. That town became more prosperous than it would have ever been if they had only stayed producing and planting cotton. Interestingly, the town later became known as Enterprise Alabama. And do you know what they did? They erected a monument to the bow weevil. It's still standing. The rioters have not pulled it down yet. <laughs> what had almost been the instrument of their destruction became a source of rejoicing because they chose not to give up and be defeated because the bow weevil moved in on their territory. Somebody needs to hear me tonight and you need to make up your mind. I'm not going to sit down. I'm not going to give up because the devil's trying to move in on my family, move in on my health, move in on my job. I'm just going to realize that there's other things I can do. I'll come at it from another angle. I'll come through another door and I'll show him I'm going to serve the Lord anyhow. Somebody say that's good teaching. Thank you. I appreciate you saying that. Makes me feel better when you say that. And keep those smiles. I see you smiling all over the place. That makes me feel better too. I want to get one of those masks with big teeth showing. If anybody wants to make me one of those, I'll, I'll, I'll love it. Big old buck teeth with a big smile. I, I just like people to smile when they look at you. The Christian life has never been promised as an easy life to live. Never has. God never said it would be easy. We must have a purpose and a plan because times will be difficult and Satan will attack you. That's a sure thing. It's going to happen. Losers say, I have an excuse. But winners say, I have a plan. Losers say, it's not my job. Winners said, let me do it for you. Losers see a problem for every solution. Winners see a solution for every problem. Losers see a possible situation, but it's just too difficult. 
Winners see a different, a difficult situation, but they see a possibility. Losers say, God, look how big my problem is. Winners say, problem, look how big my God is. <laughs> Winners does not make the attitude, or winning does not make the attitude, the attitude makes you a winner. So God will work everything out for those who are in his purpose. Romans 8.28 says, and it's one of those scriptures we like to quote, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. And we like to, we like to quote that because we like good things. We do like good things. I don't think anybody's been saying, God, give me bad things, give me trouble, give me heartache, give me pain, give me everything, uh, even the lack of rain. Oh, that's, I'm getting, I'm starting to point there and didn't know it. And, and, and you know, a lot of people will quote the scripture but, scripture, but notice some things. It says, and we know that all things work together for good to them. And we can stop right there. But it says, here's why the good things come. Basically is what it's saying. Them that love God. And it doesn't even stop there. To them who are the called according to their own purpose. According to... His purpose. In other words, God's saying, I'll be good to you. But you're going to have to love me. And you're going to have to get in my will. You're going to have to do the things I want you to do. You cannot be working in an ungodly way and expect godly plants to produce in your life. Godly plants are not going to be born in your life and produce godly uh, results, godly harvest, if you're not doing godly things. And God said, you just got to love me and get in my purpose if you want good things to happen. You know, winners always do pay a price. Winners is victorious. When, when you're a winner, you become victorious. Michelangelo was really not the best painter of his time. He had so many difficulties. He had a bad back that hurt him all the time, and he had sinus condition that he dealt with all the time. But the difference was no one else was willing to lay on their back and paint a ceiling for nearly two years and complete the Christine Chapel. All the other great painters of that day are now forgotten in obscurity. But Michelangelo laid on his back with pain, sneezing, drooling, running out his nose, coughing and hacking, and no telling what all got in that paint. But he just hung in there for two years and painted that. And he's rated as one of the greatest painters 
that ever lived. And he really wasn't the greatest painter, but he wanted to be a winner. In 1949, Jonah Salk wanted a cure for polio. He worked 16 hours a day, six days a week, for five years. But because of his dedication, we now have the famous salt bass vaccine against polio. And there's very little polio, especially in the United States and even better in the rest of the world because this man spent that time and decided he wanted a cure. Lou Gehrig played 2,130 consecutive ball games. Now you think about that. Every finger in both hands were broken. So that means a lot of times he played with at least one finger broken. As well as having 17 additional fractures in his body, but he still played ball. Boy, it'd be a good time for me to say, and some of y'all just get a little bit weary and you don't want to go to church. But I'm not going to say that. I'll leave that up to somebody else. Of all the players in baseball history, None possessed as much talent and humility as Lou Gehrig. His accomplishments on the field made him an, an American hero. And his tragedy of early death made him a legend. He played to win. More recently, many of you know him, Michael Jordan, one of the greatest basketball players in history, played the 1997 championship game against the Utah Jazz with the flu. He could have stayed home and got paid. I think he was making about $40 million at that time, but that was not what kept him on the floor. Michael Jordan loved the game, and he played for one reason, and that was to win. The winning winner's principle is pay now or pay later. If you pay now, you can play later. Losers play now and end up paying later. But winners pay now so they can play later. It may be lonely, risky, and sacrificial, and responsible, but you must determine what, the va what you value and the price that you're willing to pay for what you get, because most of us give up something. When we desire something, you usually have to give up something else. The church is filled with people who want God's benefits. They want the titles, the perks. But many of them are not willing to commit 
to that submission and responsibility that's required. In God's economy, there is no authority or blessing without responsibility. And can I just take a minute to say thank you to all of our people that clean our church on a regular basis. Can I just give you, can I thank all the men that cut our grass and keep our church looking good on the outside? Can I just tell you people that I know that's a sacrifice and when you make it, you're serving. You're serving. You're doing that. Because you love your church. And I cannot tell you how thankful I am to have that kind of people in this church that take your responsibility so seriously. We have people that serve in offices in our church that they don't hardly ever get up on the platform, never get much recognition. But this church runs as smoothly as it does because of those people. Brother Gandy's not the one making this church run smooth. One of the things, we got an awesome secretary that runs this church, the bills. I remember when I first came here, it would drive me crazy trying to take care of my bills and the church bills too. I don't know how you do it. Uh, you, you're a multitasker. Uh, you, you do such an awesome job of it. But Sister Cindy has been paying our bills uh, doing things that benefit our church, like paying double notes and doing all those kind of things to get that down. Do you know we only owe 39000 on our building, and we got 15000 of that in our savings account? We are blessed. I looked today, and I think it's about 9000 in our general account. Of course, that goes quick when we start paying bills. I know that. But she's been doing an awesome job of that. All of our departments, <clears throat> we're not real active right now, but we've got people, uh, one of which is sitting back there with a mask on right now, and you don't ever see him. He's not up front. But, boy, I'm telling you, it sure feels good to be able to hear me. It feels good for me to have a microphone. <clears throat> but, Gary, this whole COVID time comes early, Wipes every one of these mics, mics down and sanitize it. Takes every one of these back and washes them in soap and water and lets them dry out and replaces it with new clean ones from the week before. All that takes time. But you know what? I'm glad he's doing it. That's why we don't have COVID spreading through our church because we're taking precautions. Thank you. Our sound technicians, our media Sitting back there and interpreting tonight. Who is that, Sister uh, McElhaney? Who is that? Is that who that is? Okay. I just thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <clears throat> In God's economy, there's no uh, blessing without responsibility. In fact, the first mark of sin. We find in the Bible, I didn't even check my time tonight when I started, yeah. I've been about 36 minutes, haven't I? Don't laugh, I'll go longer. What'd she say? You tell me what she said after church. Adam said, it's not my fault. 
You gave me the woman. She caused me to eat the fruit. So how do we keep the victory in our lives? I'm getting close to being finished, but she keeps it up. I'm going to keep it up. Boy, she got solemn real quick, didn't she? <clears throat> it is so awesome to have great services where people shout and dance, run the aisles, get rededicated, refill with the Holy Ghost, and feel like they now have what it takes to live for God. But the next day, we go back to work or school, we get in the real world, and we start dealing with the stress, the pressure, and the temptations. And sometimes the victory doesn't seem like it's so victorious. And we start feeling defeated and disconnected. James 4, 7 says, Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. I want to tell you there's a big, big responsibility and a big uh, part on us to submit to God the way we should be. Spiritual submission to God gives protection and security. When we submit to God, God takes the responsibility of protecting and directing us. When we submit, He takes over that authority. He will send you down the path that is best for you. And He'll protect you and He'll guide you. When we take over that responsibility, sometimes we get on the wrong path and we get in trouble. If there is no submission... Then, no responsibility. We cannot hold God accountable until we submit. And I'm going to skip over this and I'm going to read one last thing. I read it years ago, but when I was studying today, I ran across this and I wanted to... I, I tell you what, I'm going to stop right there because I still got another sermon Bible study here. I'll come back to it. Would you stand?